Well, good morning, everyone. So good to be here. Um, this day, I've been waiting for for a while. Um, myself and Chris connected during the first, well, just after the first lockdown, began some conversations and just so excited to be here in the room with you guys and also uh, you guys that are joining us online today. Thank you for being here and uh, being able to take the opportunity to listen to who Compassion is, what we do, and how you guys can get involved. I'm a partnerships manager for Compassion UK, but when I visit churches and as churches partner with us, um, I'm not a manager, I'm a friend. And uh, you're going to be friends of ours for the years ahead and really excited at what God's going to do through us as we endeavour to outwork God's heart for the poor in some of the poorest places on planet Earth. So for those of you that may not know about Compassion, I just want to spend a few moments talking about who we are, what we do, where we work, and why we do it. So Compassion is a child development charity. It's an international child development charity, and it started in 1952. So that was 70 years ago. And it began when a minister named Everett Swanson from America visited South Korea and he went to work with a number of churches to do some missionary work and one morning when he was out in the early hours on his prayer walk he looked down the road and he saw what he thought was men taking black bin liners and throwing them into the back of a truck and as he got closer he realized that they weren't black bin liners but they were young children that had perished on the streets during the night and he said to God in that moment, God, how can I help? What can we do? And he began to talk with the guys there and they eventually started at an orphanage. And here we are 70 years later, um, a charity that's working in many, many countries around the world. So what do we do as an organization? Well, there's three aspects to our ministry. The first one is child um, development. And that is a discipleship, holistic discipleship program, which we encourage young people to get involved in and children that really are in desperate need in some of the poorest countries around the world. Through our holistic discipleship program, they're able to receive education, be involved in school and receive an education that they deserve. We give them annual medical checks and intervene medically as and when needed so that they can maintain their health and grow stronger over the years. Each Saturday, every child will be part of a project which is based at a local church and they'll receive um, two nutritional meals during that time as we know that during the week, we don't know how much food that they're able to eat. Some of the families that we work with, in fact, many of them don't know where the next meal's coming from. And during that time at the project, they'll hear about the love of Christ. Many of the children that engage with us come to a place where they give their lives to Jesus, which is fantastic. And they develop friendships and are in a safe environment where they're known, they're loved, and they're protected. Another aspect of our work is child um, development, uh, sorry, child survival units. And this man here on the screen that you can see, he's got two beautiful twins there. His name's Harato. 
And his wife sadly died while she was giving birth to those two beautiful little children. But the child survival units are places where pregnant women can come and be cared for and look after their babies when they are born up until the first birthday. Many children within these countries die at birth and we want to change those statistics. And this man here was able to engage, even though his wife had passed away, in a child survival unit where he was supported and actually found himself surrounded by other mums that were able to help and support him in raising his two children. And then also the third aspect of our work is interventions. This young lady that you can see here, her family lost their home to a flood in Peru. And Compassion was able to intervene, give finance and funds so that their father and other people in the community could help rebuild their homes. Our interventions range from just a few hundred pounds up to millions of pounds, building classrooms, schools, digging wells for water supplies, um, all kinds of different interventions that really are serving the needs of that community at a given time. So, where do we work? We work in 25 different countries around the world at the moment. We're predominantly in Central and South America, Africa and Asia. So on this map, all those countries that are in orange, they're the countries that we work in. The countries that are in yellow, there's 14 global fundraising partners. Compassion UK is one of those countries. So we are part of a Compassion family internationally as we work together to see children released from poverty in Jesus' name. At the moment, we have over 2.2 million children that are engaged with us. Each one of those children is known by a worker or somebody at a local church. They're all connected to a local church because we believe that the church is God's ordained institution to outwork his mission on planet Earth. So currently, all of our children that are partnered with us are within over 8,000 church partners right now. And this morning, in a few moments, we're going to be introducing you to a couple of projects that launched only two weeks ago. Two churches starting projects where they're going to serve the poor children that live within their community. Just so you know that up to this point, over this first 70 years of our ministry, we've had over one million graduates that have gone through the program and their lives have been transformed because we've been able to engage with them and see them released from poverty in Jesus' name. In fact, a graduate named Liz from Uganda lives right here in Andover. And I'm hoping next year when I come back to celebrate the impact that you guys have had over the first year, I'm going to be able to bring Liz with me and she can share her story with you. So why do we do what we do? Well, we know, don't we, that God has a heart towards the poor. There's numerous scriptures that we read where God really wants to engage with the poor and help and serve them. And the reality is, in the world that we live in, there's over 375 million children that live in extreme poverty. In fact, due to the pandemic, that's probably increased to over 400,000. So what does extreme poverty mean? Well, it means that these children are part of families that survive on less than £1.48 a day. That is the global benchmark for extreme poverty. So our work is very focused on the poorest of the poor. 
Those families, those children that find themselves in desperate situations, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus through the local church within their community to help them and to serve them in the best way possible. So with our work, we're focused on three things. And those three things are that we are Christ-centered. Over the years, Compassion International have been asked to drop the name Jesus from releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. But the truth is this, Jesus is central to everything we do. We know that Jesus is the one that sets each and every one of us free. And our work is not just about feeding children and setting them free from physical poverty, but also spiritual poverty as well. So Jesus is very much a part and at the heart of all of our work. The second thing is, is that we're child focused. Our ministry is all about helping children. Those children that find themselves in poverty because that's the community that they were born in. And children are the most vulnerable children in those communities. In fact, the children that we work with, some of them, if we weren't engaging with them, would be getting married at the age of 12 because their families would need to release them from their household because of financial pressures. Some boys will be sent out to work and maybe work on the local rubbish tips and areas like that instead of going to school and being in a classroom, which is where they should be. And the third thing is that every partner is a local church. So our role is to find wonderful churches like yourselves, partner with you so we can shift our wealth, our resource to churches and families and children in places where they need so much more than what we do. Where we can empower and enable them to serve the poor so much better than they would be able to without us. So today we're going to partner with two churches in Peru. And we know over the last two years, the global pandemic has changed things drastically for so many people around the world. We've had to adopt and change things in so many ways. And I just want to show you a video of how compassion changed the way that they worked just over the last 18 months, two years, so that they could effectively still serve the children within their communities. So let's take a look at the video. So that's just a brief highlight of how compassion responded during the pandemic as we experienced here that churches and many places were closed for quite a period of time. And obviously the projects where the children were attending were closed. So the compassion workers, the local churches, they went out and that's just some evidence of what happened during the time in Peru. As we've already mentioned, we know that God has an incredible heart for the poor. And I just want to spend a couple of moments just reflecting on a scripture that we can find in Mark chapter 10. So if any of you have got your Bibles with you or want to follow on your phone, I'm going to be reading from verse 46. And it's the story of blind Bartimaeus. It says, when they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. 
When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. Along the road. This story, this narrative that we've just read over these few verses, there's far more that's going on than just the miracle of a man receiving his sight. There's lessons that we can learn from Blyde Bartimaeus in his tenacity to shout out and call out Jesus and to have faith to believe that he could receive his sight. And even though the crowd were ignoring him and telling him to shut up, when Jesus stopped, he changed the narrative, didn't he, Jesus? And he said, get up. The crowd said, get up. And he called him to Jesus. And blind Bartimaeus, he threw his cloak aside, one of the most prized possessions of a beggar back in those days, as they would just put that out in front of them. And that's where they would receive their gifts. But throwing his cloak aside was an incredible act of faith. There's so many lessons that we can learn from a blind man, a beggar, who basically sat and lived in the gutter in the margins of society within the city of Jericho. But I wanted just to draw our attention to Jesus, the Son of God, just for a few moments. You see, Jesus was walking down this city road, going out of Jericho, and he was on his way to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover and ultimately give his life. For every single human being that has walked the face of the earth. Something that was very much a focus of us just this past weekend. But in verse 47, we read that Jesus stopped. He stopped in that moment when he was surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of people that were listening to his teaching. But he heard in the distance this blind man calling. And he stopped for blind Bartimaeus. You see, Jesus was willing to stop for someone who was seen to be the least of these within his community. And it teaches me, it helps me understand that actually Jesus will stop for anyone. It doesn't matter what your story is, what the narrative of your life is, what your background is, what your history is. The love and the grace of Jesus is enough for every single human being and when Jesus stopped and he called blind Bartimaeus to him Jesus had that moment where he stood alongside blind Bartimaeus and he asked him this question what can I do for you the truth is Jesus already knew he knew didn't he what blind Bartimaeus needed but Jesus wanted him to speak it out to confess it to speak out that Jesus I want to see. I want to receive my sight. 
And as Jesus stopped, and as Jesus stood alongside him, he said, go, your faith has healed you. Jesus didn't even pray for blind Bartimaeus in that moment. His faith was enough for him to receive his sight. And as he stopped and stood alongside him, he sent him into his future. A future that was going to be so much different from what he experienced in those previous years of being blind, of being a beggar, and being ignored by so many that walk past him each day. I don't know what your experiences of poverty, of maybe engaging with the poor, maybe some of you are involved locally with some of the initiatives that are run through our Andover in helping people that find themselves in desperate situations. But I remember vividly my first experience of engaging with a homeless man. And it was when I was 16 years old and I was on, other, on one of those old school short-term missions trips where you'd go for a week or two to somewhere and you'd do an open air where you'd kind of dance or do a drama and share your story and crowds of people would gather around. And this experience for me happened to be in Leicester Square in London. And there was literally hundreds of people that would gather around each day. And I remember on the second or third day, I, I, I recognised this man who had a top hat on and this green long trench coat. And I went up and introduced myself. And his name was Clint. And he'd been on the streets for 25 years. And I sat down on the side of the road with him and just began to share my story, listen to his story. And he did that for a couple of days. And one day I said, hey, can I buy you some lunch? He said, yeah, absolutely. So we went and had a greasy burger across the way at Burger King. And we just continued to talk about life. And that afternoon, he said, I want to know more about Jesus. And I remember having the privilege of sitting with him as this young, naive 16-year-old boy and saying, Jesus loves you. And he received him into his life. And at the end of each day, we would gather together as a team and we would give some feedback on our experience during the day. One of the leaders that we were working with at the time, he said, has anyone got anything to share? Anyone got anything to say? And I remember Clint put his hand up and he said, I have. And this guy pointed his finger at him and he said, you've got nothing. You've got nothing to say. And Clint just walked away. If I'm going to be totally honest with you this morning, the anger that was inside of me as a 16-year-old young man wanted to punch that guy's lights out. It's like, how dare you? Speak to him like that. He's got everything to say. He's got as much right to say something as we have. And I remember the days after that, I just sat with Clint and was able to still talk to him. And he kind of come back round and began to engage in some more conversations. And at the end of that week, we just left him in the care of the people that were based in London. And I never heard what happened to him after that. But that was my first experience of serving and working with the poor. And it had a profound impact on my life. I don't know what the dynamics, demographics are of homelessness around Andover or when you go to other parts of the country, particularly London, and you walk past a homeless person. Very often I've got no change to give them, but I choose never to ignore them. 
I always acknowledge them. I always say, I'm really sorry, I've got no change. But thousands upon thousands of people walk past them, don't they, and ignore them. I want to encourage you this morning, wherever you're engaging with the poor, those that are marginalized, those that find themselves in a place in life where it's a struggle and difficult, never ignore them. Always acknowledge them. Always have a conversation with them. And you'll find actually that their story of how they found themselves in that place is often quite tragic. So this morning we've got an opportunity to engage in serving the poor in another part of the world in Peru. And before I explain how you can get involved this morning, I'd like you to watch a second video. And it's a story about Hilda, who found herself in Peru in extreme poverty. But compassion reached out and changed her story. Let's just watch the video. When I was five years old, my dad broke his leg and he couldn't work. We didn't have money for food. Near our home, bad people would be out at night. I was very scared. I felt like no one cared about me and I didn't matter. When I was nine, one of my neighbors told me about compassion. I didn't know what it was about, but I liked it because I received a lot of help. I was fed there at the church, and I learned how to take care of myself. I learned that I was special and that God loved me and that he had a plan for my life. And I learned that I could ask Jesus into my heart. And when I did, I was so happy. I was waiting to get a letter from my sponsor, and when it finally came, I felt very happy and special. They were very loving in their letters. They loved me so much, even though we never met in person. At 15, I remember being so thankful for my sponsors and everything they did for me. I will remember them until the last day of my life. Without their help, my life would be so different. All I can say is thank you for so much love that showed me God's love. Now, I know I have value, and I know I have a future. My name is Hilda, this is my story. a child from poverty in Jesus' name. A child is waiting. It's a powerful story, isn't it? It's amazing what can happen when we choose to stand alongside some of these children that find themselves in desperate situations. We saw, didn't we, in Scripture today that Jesus stopped. He stood alongside he set 
blind Bartimaeus free, and he sent him into a transformed future. And this morning, in this moment, I want to encourage you and ask you to consider doing the same for a child in extreme poverty. A child just like Smith, this beautiful girl who's two years old, she's there with her mum, and she's at one of the projects that we're partnering with this morning. In fact, Smith turns three this coming Wednesday. What an amazing gift to hear that she would be sponsored just around the age of three as she starts out this new year as a, as a three-year-old. Smith is part of a community in Pamashto, which is in Peru. It's a jungle town and it has a population of about a thousand people and she lives just about here. And then the other project that we're partnering is Picoto, which has a population of about 8,000 people. So if you look on this side of the map here, you can see it's Peru. Lima's the capital there. So this is the area where you're partnering as a church. And we've got two projects which literally opened two weeks ago. And this morning, the way to get involved is by prayerfully considering choosing a child. And there's 50 children that are available here this morning. There's some children that are also available online. And for those of you that are engaging with us online, if you scan a QR code, that will take you to a pool of children which are part of the same projects and you can just follow the instructions and do an online sponsorship. But each child, to receive all the things that we give them each month, it costs £28 a month. One of the many questions we have is how much of that money goes to that child? And it's a brilliant question. The financial integrity of compassion is something that's very dear to us. And we know that at a minimum of 80% of that money goes directly to the child. In fact, it's closer to 88%. The other 12% goes to helping us find the next child. It doesn't go towards salaries and running the organization. But whenever you visit a project, there's always another kid on the other side of the fence. And our heart is to see that child stand on the right side of the fence and receive the help. That they, can, um, that they desperately need. The thing that I love about our Holistic Discipleship Programme, and it's consistently ran because it's through sponsorship, which is a regular giving. And currently in the UK, we've got almost 108,000 children sponsored. But what I love about this idea that really does work is that it involves everybody, from the youngest to the oldest. As a family, we sponsored two children in India when our children were much younger. And that way, it got our five, eight, and 11-year-old children engaged in serving the poor. They couldn't serve the poor within their local community because they weren't old enough. But they could write and be part of the letter writing, which is part of the sponsorship. They could squiggle and draw a little bit of a picture. And they could share their story with the sponsored child's story and build a relationship, which meant that that child that was sponsored knew that there was a family, that was an individual, that was a couple, that was standing alongside aside them, supporting them and seeing them set free from poverty in Jesus' name. 
So this morning, I want to encourage you to go and speak with Will and also Sue. And then we'll guide you in how to go about filling out the form inside where we just take some personal details in your account to set up a direct debit to begin sponsorship. I'll be engaging with the online community in a few minutes, a little bit more, so we can talk a bit more about how things can work for you guys. But it just leads me to say thank you so much, ABC, for partnering with Compassion. I believe that God's going to do some tremendous work as we partner together to see children set free. And maybe in the future, some of you will be able to go visit the projects, visit your child, which is an incredible experience. I know Caroline and her husband has been recently to visit their child and have done so on a number of occasions. If you want to speak to Caroline and find out what all that's about. But also Will and Sue are on the stand. They are um, not just volunteers with us, but they're advocates in their own church. They've seen some tremendous things happen within their own church, sponsoring, I think, over 70 children. Uh, phenomenal. They've done trips. Speak to them. They are experienced. They know compassion inside and out. They've experienced it. So if you have any questions, please speak to them, and I'll be available and be around also too. But why don't you just uh, bow your heads for a moment, and let me just pray for us this morning. Father God, we thank you that you've rescued us, that you have been there for us and set us free from spiritual poverty within our own lives, that you died on that cross for each and every one of us. And Lord, we recognize that you've given us a mandate as your church to serve those that are in need, to give them an opportunity to hear about the gospel to feed their hungry mouths, to put a a coat on their back, to serve the poor, which is right at the heart of who you are and what you do and who you're about. And this morning, as we've been presented with this incredible opportunity to get involved and to stand alongside a child in desperate need, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us in this room, Lord, of how we can get involved and what we can do. So Lord, we just pray that as we go on this journey together, being family, being friends, and serving you together, Lord, we'd see you do tremendous things in and through us so that we can see the children's lives in these places in Peru transformed in Jesus' name and see them set free. Father God, we love you and we thank you that you're with us. In Jesus' name, amen.